Welcome to Sunrise Live, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Marique on the other line. Say hello, Marique. Hey, howdy. How's it going with you today? Doing pretty well. It's finally warm in Portland, so I'm in a good mood. That's awesome. And I'm up here in Seattle, so we're kind of like neighbors with similar weather. And one thing that people in the other areas of the country probably like don't realize as much as that when the sun comes out in the Pacific Northwest, like everybody lightens up and like talks to each other on the street and stuff. It's really nice. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Otherwise, it's just like death for 10 months straight. (laughs) I don't know what the depression rates are down in Portland, but I know that Seattle is pretty high for most of the year. It's the same. I think it's about the same statistics. Jeez. Well, props to surviving the the dreary winter. Right. <laughs> and vitamin D supplements. Oh, yes. Vitamin D. You know, I should take more vitamin D. I just take a multivitamin. I think that has what I believe to be enough vitamin D in it. I boosted up because, you know, the gray, the gray weather can have a lot of detrimental effects on both your psychosis or psyche or whatever and your body and it it can cause a lot of damage so I just try to remember to take that when it's too gloomy because I also I have like depression I've I've been diagnosed with depression since like it was 11 so I try to remember to do that and then although you know when I'm depressed my creativity is like 10 times better than when I'm Oh my God, that's like something that I really just feed on when I'm feeling down. It's like, yeah. That is so like Pacific Northwesterner, like tortured soul, tortured artist. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a double-edged sword, I'm guessing. Well, somewhat. It is. It's manageable. Well, I've looked up to you as somebody who's been modeling for, modeling professionally for longer than even me. I consider myself like old or whatever. Would you mind for the people listening, kind of describing how you got started in freelance modeling and how your career has kind of like progressed until now? Yeah, I started, I started freelance modeling back in 2007, right before that market crashed. Yeah, (laughs) we had a, a huge like depression then. And reason why I started doing that was before I was actually trying to get a job doing print modeling and commercials and stuff like that. And someone told me about Model Mayhem. It was when I was trying to build my portfolio. And so I opened up a profile there and, you know, posted that I was trying to build my portfolio and I was accepting trade work and collaborative work. And someone saw my post who was an art photographer that I, I had no idea was, you know, was even a culture back then. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just give this a try because I'm not getting very many other responses anyways. And it kind of took off from there. Back then, people re- weren't really using uh, Instagram and Facebook for booking. It was mainly, I think that the two that were the top platforms was Model Mayhem and One Model Place. Yeah, did you have a One Model Place account also? I did, but I never used it. (laughs) I think what my gist I got from there was it was more geared towards glamour modeling, 
which I'm not opposed to. I do a lot of that anyways. But for me, I just as a personal preference in anything that I do creative, I like to kind of like taste a little bit of everything. So I felt like Model Mayhem was just more of a well-rounded community for me. So I can do different types of modeling. So and that's how I got started. I, I worked with this one artist for 18 months for trade. Wow. <laughs> and I really just didn't really know the, I didn't really know my own system back then, but I created one and he later on started to just refer me to other artists. And that's how I got started. And it was, I still work in that same type of way. Like I accept work that is referred to me rather than working with new people that I, that just pop up. I, I tend to be a little bit more choosy. That's good. That's really good. So you say that you worked with him as an artist. Was he doing like fine art nude photography or like sketch drawing nudes or? He was doing fine art nudes. Yeah. Sweet. That's cool. And then how about like the last, like, like five years or so, like, cause that was when you started in 07 and then from there, but then have you ever been kind of in the full-time traveling? Like, I know that you've hopped over to like the Midwest a handful of times because I've seen that we've worked with similar photographers out there. I, so th- there was the recession in, in 07 and 08. And it went from, you know, having four bookings a week to having two bookings a month. Oh. And a photographer in Arizona saw my portfolio and said, Hey, I'll fly you over. And, you know, I have references. I checked him out. He had really fabulous work and he flew me over. He hosted me. He fed me. He paid me also. But after that experience, it was when I discovered like, Hey, I could probably do this for a living, you know, just maintain my car, put a tent in there and just drive around you know, each state and try to pick up some bookings. And that's how I started making my living. And later on, I decided to start flying and expanding. So I do a lot of the Pacific Northwest, the whole West Coast, the Midwest, New York. And I do, well, I was going to Europe yearly because I have French citizenship there. So every year would be like a six, a six week tour there but every month I would typically just maintain like about five to seven days a month just traveling and that would be that would be my income the whole time that's cool you did a bunch of road trips like with a tent in your car that's cool (laughs) it was I don't know I don't think I would do that again today because I've gotten a little bit more sensitive. I'm a little older. I have like back issues and all of that. And just more, (laughs) I'm a little bit more safe now. But back then I would just take off in my car and just, just set up camp anywhere. Like I would always set up my, my tent at night in some weird place. I would sleep. I would sleep anywhere. I've slept on (laughs) boats. I've slept on, you know, ski ball lanes. (laughs) I've slept on just just weird, weird areas just to make a buck. And it was fun for me. Not so much anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I definitely put myself in more sketchy situations the first few years of my traveling modeling. Because I guess it was fun. It's fun to be risky. But now I'm just like, 
I mean, I suppose over years, things happen and people that you interact with, you're like, oh, I don't want that to happen again. So I kind of write some things off and now I'm more just like, I want my bed or like, you know, another, another female traveling model that will host me might maybe is a more comfortable situation than sleeping in my car or like at a photographer's like living room couch. (laughs) Right, right. So true. I mean, we become more aware of those things through trial and error. (laughs) I think right at the start, though, I definitely started to make my own system, my own safety system for things like that. And um, I mean, I can't say that I've it's been like smooth sailing. I've definitely come across some sketch people. But for the most part, learning to look out for myself and set myself up with those kinds of systems was very empowering and it's, it's worked for me. So cool. yeah. And it, it does tighten up as I get older. You just become more cautious. Don't go on that cliff past that caution tape, you know, <laughs> don't do me, don't jump out of castles. You oh know, my those kinds of things. Yeah. Speaking of like sketchy situations, I have this part of my podcast that I call the photo shoot yeah. fail of the yeah. week. Can you describe a situation where you had a photo shoot experience that was kind of crazy or memorable, either because the situation surrounding the shoot was weird or the photographer themselves maybe were out of line? Goodness. <laughs> I. It's hard for me to pick one. Um, <laughs> you can tell more than one if you want to. <laughs> tell more than one? Okay. I know rules. Well, for one, like I set the example, like, you know, past the caution tape on a cliff. That was back in Hawaii, probably right before. Now I'm going to say maybe it was 2018, 2017. And we were shooting out on location. And this is a photographer that I had been working with for, for about eight years up until that time. And very nice guy, but he, he knew a lot of the areas and well, I'm pretty sure he didn't have insurance either. But <laughs> most of them don't. Most of them don't. They want you to do all this stuff. And it's like, well, would you do it? They don't think that they would do it, but they're asking you to do it. So yeah, it's I know what you mean. Bizarre. But he asked me to, to pose on this cliff where I was all the way at the top. And at the bottom, there were waves crashing against what looked like the rock formation was like an elephant trunk. So there was like a cave or like a window. And it, the caution tape was there because if the wind, if the wave just happens to crash against the rock, like at a certain point, that rock might collapse. And so I was there and I was posing, I was posing on my back because I thought, okay, standing up, I don't want my equilibrium to just like knock me over. And it was quite windy. And he kept telling me to scoot in and he's standing on the other side, like another cliff shooting me from way, way far. And um, nothing really happens. But now what I'm thinking about it now, like, why the hell did I do that? He kept telling me to move further and further out closer to the edge of the cliff. And I mean, that would have been my life. But I, you know, when sometimes you're shooting, even though you have your limitations, you get asked to do something and you just say yes, just to be polite. Yeah. (laughs) And, and a lot of us models do that. We're just so used to, you know, we're in the moment and we're caught in the moment and it's kind of like a a mental vulnerability where you just, you, you're prompted to say yes right away without even really thinking out 
your your situation at the time. And as I kept going further and further, I kept feeling that wave shake the cliff. <gasps> it was so scary. And so I yelled out, I'm like, you better get like the best photo, the best shots now, because <laughs> I'm going to give you all I got. And then I'm going to get off this cliff. And so I just spent like two minutes just like bam, 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 bam. And and then running away because it was it was quite scary. And yeah, even though I got off like pretty free and scot free and, you know, no bleeds, no, no broken bones, no, you know. I didn't get arrested or anything like that. It's still, it's still something that shakes me. Like, why did I go out there? Like, I still can feel and hear that wave. It's kind of like a trauma or something. Yeah, you risked your life for the shot, man. Yeah, and I don't even remember even seeing those images. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That makes it not worth it. <laughs> that sucks. Not worth it. But, you know, in the long run, none of it is worth it. You know, had I gotten hurt, it wouldn't have been worth it. So we shouldn't wait to the last minute to say, you know, that was a bad idea. We should just practice safety, like, from the start. Yeah, that's something that I've been faced with a couple of times. I've been on a lot of cliff edges lately. And I, I had a similar thing where a photographer asked me to pose on this like rickety rock that was like hanging over like this massive mile high cliff. And it looked very unsafe. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. And the photographer was like, I understand other models would do it, but I understand. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like you get on it. You know? Yeah. And you know, they're just saying that to you know, to make you say yes, rather than just accepting what, what you're, I mean, you're not an object. You are allowed to say no, if you feel like saying no, but they make it really hard to do that because then he's putting in, in your mind that you have to be competitive and you really don't have to. I mean, it's your, you're your own boss. So yeah, we forget about that. Yeah. And it, it, when it comes down to it, if they're paying you and it's for their project, it's like, do I, right? You said there's no insurance policy to cover my injuries or my death. Like if I die for your creative idea, like it's not fair. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he said that to you. That is, that is shitty. Yeah. Because of that. And actually that guy was kind of rude throughout the day. It was, it was sort of a elongated day of like cocky photographer behavior then and it's one of the reasons why like people that are like that or if I get that vibe when they email me I'm just like nah I'm not even gonna reply but the first 10 years of my modeling I would have said yes to like all of those people and I have so many experiences where people just try to push your limits or test you to see what how far you'll go on stuff and Fuck that. I don't like that anymore. I don't want to deal with that. And you really don't have to. You don't have to. But, you know, there are elements in our lives that push us to make certain decisions and these obligatory decisions. Like right now, the economy is total crap. So you're going to be prompted to accept more work that you would normally not accept, you know, had it had you been living more comfortably. But Art modeling is a hustle. We're hustling. Yeah, it, we are. It's true. Fortunately for me, being able to make some income off of like online sources like Patreon and OnlyFans has helped me just turn down certain photographers. 
or I suppose doing remote shoots they can't like you know make you do anything that you don't want to do on a remote shoot we were just talking about that right before the recording I think you know I feel like a shoot that I had just recently that was a remote shoot and it was my second time shooting with this person I felt like I had been pushed like my boundaries had been pushed like I ended the shoot like what the fuck like what happened like I'm usually like stronger than this and I it's a hard no when I feel like I'm uncomfortable and I actually just like was like okay maybe I can give them something to work with that'll still be within my my comfort zone I don't think I did anything that was out of my comfort zone, but it was also like, this is not going to turn out the way I, I hoped it would turn out. Like this is a person that posts just like flat, flat snapshots. And no matter how many times he said he wanted to be creative, he's not really running his photography the way that he should. And he's new. So maybe that's it. But also maybe it's not. Maybe he's just used to pushing his models. And I wouldn't know that for sure because I've only met him. I've only met him through remote shooting. And he was also, I mean, he he mentioned another photographer that I know very well. So that's why I decided to work with him. But given that, knowing how that went kind of like, it didn't go south, but I still didn't feel right. Like something isn't sitting right. Probably wouldn't work with him again, just because if someone can't take no for an answer and they're still trying to get this thing, photographers here's a note to photographers there are plenty of models out there that will do the things that you also desire for them to do but find the right model for you there is no point in fussing with a model that doesn't want to do certain poses and that's just it's so easy this is an easy solution go find a model that is appropriate for the photography that you want to do yeah, I hear that. I, I unfortunately think that those types of photographers have some kind of a like fetish for crossing people's comfort zone. And it's all about getting that shot that other photographers don't have because they pressured you into it. Yeah. But is there satisfaction in pressuring somebody to do something? I, I mean, I guess that some people can get off on it, but it's like think lives, people's lives can be so much easier. You would weed out so many models that are probably going to give you a hard time. And then, you know, he comes back to me and says, well, you know, I paid for the shoot. So I don't know if what you want me to post. I'm like, how about you just take a class and work on your skill rather than paying for some, for a shoot that is just going to give you mediocre snapshots that you're posting on Twitter. And, you know, if he's listening to this today, you know, it's not anything that I didn't tell him to his face. I hope that he starts to think about his craft and, if you spend years in one place and not improving your photography, it will show through your work. It'll show. And and you're tarnishing somebody's name the way that they want to be represented in this industry. I mean, this is my livelihood. Do you not care? If you don't care, then don't hire me. Yeah. It, there's Sadly, there's a lot of people like that, though. It, it, it's really disheartening over the years of modeling, just finding out, okay, you're one of the limit pushers. And it's easy to point them out over time, but it's still like you just had this guy slip through the cracks with a second shoot. And then it, he wasn't like that on the first shoot. And um, he, I mean, he he told me that he was after specific shots. And and for me, you know, I don't call myself an erotic model. It is something that I shoot sometimes and I have to see somebody's work and it has to be done in a tasteful way. I'm not down for just like poon shots 
on yeah. Twitter, like it was done, you know, with my old Nokia, not, not to bash Nokia, they're awesome. My old Nokia, you know, <laughs> picture phone from the 2000s. Like, it's just, I don't want that. That's not the way I want to represent myself. I primarily want to be on that path towards being a gallery worthy fine art model. It doesn't matter all the other things that I shoot that I do in order to dip my toes in every single type of, you know, subgenre for the experience. I I still want to be a gallery model. There's a reason why those shots aren't just on social media or digital platforms. You know, and I don't bash other people who don't do that either. That's to each their own, more power to you. And I have a, a lot of respect to, for people who who can, you know. I just I choose to live my life in a, you know, less financially endowed way in order to be a legend after I die. And maybe that's, that, maybe that that's crazy. But for me, there's a satisfaction at the end of the day that I am able to do that. Yeah. You stick to your guns and you only do things that are like empowering for you and not just saying yes to every paycheck that might be not something that you're interested in doing. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's an ethical dilemma that every model has to come up with. And I've I've had that issue for myself as well come up many times where I'm like, oh, this could, you know, drive a lot more traffic to my page or this could make me more money. And then over time I feel like the stuff that makes the most money seems to be the least inspiring to me. <laughs> and right. I end up investing and in doing all this stuff that, you know, I spend money doing, like, you know, finding places for underwater shoots. Like that doesn't pay me. I just do it because I like it mostly. Yeah. I mean it feeds your soul. It feeds feeds your creativity. And that's part of that's part of the love that we have in this um I don't want to say career. Is it a career in this career? When we choose, when us models choose to have this career, it's because of that. It's because you have the, I don't know, what do you call it? The creative, it just feeds you a different way. You feel accomplished in a different way. It's not just this paycheck that's coming up. You're going to see the money and the money is going to circulate. It's going to leave you and it's going to come back. But that feeling that you are getting when you have something that's inspiring and you're working on that and growing with somebody throughout the years, creating something all the time, there's nothing that's going to replace that. You know, it stays with you. I don't know if that made sense, but... No, that was very eloquently put. It's whether you're working on things that are fulfilling to you and like adding to your soul and like making you want to do it more. Otherwise, doing things just for the money to fill your bank account and things that you're not necessarily going to want to look back on or or share in the future. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of shows like when we don't have that, it's like we want to love our job, right? This is what we do every day. We want to love it. And if we don't love it, then you just, it kind of shows in the photos, like you become a zombie. Some models have just dropped off the map like flies, even though I thought they were wonderful. They were gorgeous. They had talent and, you know, they just, it's easy to get caught on to the paycheck aspect of it. And then you find yourself unhappy years later and you don't even know why or how it happened, how you lost it. Just have to like, be true to yourself and yeah. at the end of the day be happy for what you you've done and created it just means a lot it, it gives it gives you meaning to even just being alive you know heck yeah yeah i go back and forth within these like money making periods of time and then periods of time where i'm focusing on things that are more fulfilling to me and i i get stuck in the money making parts 
And uh, I recently had a, a coach that I was working with describe to me that that like, for example, OnlyFans is a velvet prison for me where it's making me a good amount of money where I don't want to just, you know, cut it off and like take out half of my income, but it takes a lot of my time. And by it taking a lot of my time, it takes a lot of my inspiration away. Like I could be using that time on other things that are likely not as income generating. Right, <laughs> but right. It's a balance though. It's a balance because every job does have parts that you're like, oh, this is a little bit of a drag, but it's not the end of the world, right? Like there's still shoots or workshops that I'll do that are like, okay, like these are the standard poses. I'm probably not going to post this, but you know, I'm getting paid my day rate or whatever. Like, right. do you have those also? I do. I actually kind of like workshops and like the art, sometimes the art workshops, like people who like, who do line drawing and sculptures and paintings. I, I do, those are like the hardest gigs for me because you're holding a pose and there's really not much, there's not much creative exchange in a situation like that. You're just like holding one pose and that's all you do for, you know, for three hours. But I know that there's a satisfaction of brushing up with certain skills so that I'm okay with. But once I start getting into like just, you know, my paycheck mode that because that's what's taking up most of my time, I don't have any other, any other energy for other things. Yeah, I, I start to feel kind of numb, numb from that. But it, it does happen, you know? Yeah, I feel that. And I've learned also that like I can't always just rely on like the creative processes themselves to be bringing that like fuel to the inspiration in my life. I, I <laughs> and it sounds counterintuitive, but I find that I need to have like a life balance in general. Like I need to be doing other things that make me happy that aren't necessarily creative, like hiking or whatever. And then when I my cup feels full, then I can get more inspiration to do other things. I suppose it does that happen with you? I don't really operate in that way. And I, I know people who do need that balance to step away from certain things in order to fulfill something else in their life. But because I, even in my personal life, I still do other creative stuff, you know, whether I'm collaborating with something with someone or not, everything I do is creative. So if I'm not modeling, then I'm photographing. If I'm not photographing, I'm I'm building something at home. I'm working with sound and music. So it's something that I kind of, I, I need to fill that those parts of my life through creative outlets still. I think it's the way that I'm, I'm wired, I guess. I, now that I'm remembering, you mentioned that you were diagnosed with depression when you were 11. I wonder if that has like something to do with it because like the, the way that I fuel my creativity when I, I guess when I get really sad about something, it makes me want to like write dark poetry and stuff. But, but I suppose, yeah, maybe your wiring is different in that way because of, of that. I would say so, because I mean, I don't find any purpose within myself if I'm not spilling my energy and my soul and, you know, that those creative juices that are there, if I'm not putting those to use, then I kind of go to a darker place, you know, like even though I am in a dark place, you don't want to get past a certain point where, you know, the really dark places like suicidal thoughts or the, the process of thinking about thinking about it. Right. Oh my God. And I don't want to get there. And I just thrive on 
being creative. And I don't know. That's what makes me happy. That's what makes me feel like I'm normal. That's what balances out all of those chemicals in my brains. That's cool. So the creativity keeps you like happy and satisfied in life. Do you think that there might be a little bit of escapism going on? Probably. Probably. But I know that when my life and it's happened, you know, it happens to everybody. When I've had some really bad stuff happen in my life, when I've felt like I've lost everything, I still had that. And that's never let me down. So I'll hold on to it. That's good. That's good to know like what can pick you up when you're feeling down. A lot of people don't have that. That's unfortunate. I hope that, you know, I hope that we all get to a place as a human species to, um, to be taught at an early age to tap into that. Yeah. I, I sometimes think it might be like creative people have that little world that they can go into when they're feeling down that like helps them like get out of their rut. But I wonder, because there's people who don't have like the inclination for creativity and like everybody has like a void that they need to fill, right? Like you get sad about something or you have something in your life happening that gets you down. And if you're not, if you don't have that creative like inclination, then what, what else is filling the void? You know, like workaholism or I suppose maybe addiction. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there's all kinds of addictions. It doesn't always have to be some, some substance that you have to inject, but like, I would say that even if it's a more positive, let's say you're a techie, you know, there are techies that don't have creative juices flowing. They don't have that kind of um, creative inclination then find it in a way that you can use it through your technical stuff. This, this is kind of like making me think full circle because you probably have noticed this too. A lot of photographers have admitted to me during the photo shoot that they're like their career is an engineer and everything that they're doing is like not creative. And they get into model photography as a way to try to become more creative in their life. So it's like their little escape in that way. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody else and this might be, you know, a tangent to a different direction. But like you're you're right when you say like not everybody can be creative. You know, like there was always that one kid in art class when we were in preschool that just could not get with it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how do those people find that fulfillment in their life? I mean, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't be in, I'm not in that position. I would love to know. I would love to know how, you know, that person is motivated throughout their life to just, you know, to stay positive, you know, because you do need that balance. You do need those positivities. How does that work? Oh my gosh. I'm kind of scared to think too hard about that because like, even though I feel like I have the ability to see through other people's perspectives I don't, because I've never lived through that mindset. I, I don't know if it's possible for me to fully wrap my mind around it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wrap my, my mind around it. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around a nine to five job, you know, like to be working for a person. Yeah. X amount of time, you know, knowing that there's going to be that, that glass ceiling, you know. Have you ever in the past, like before full-time modeling, had like a job with a boss? Yes, yes. And I was traveling then too. <laughs> I worked in the food industry and I had like three different manager titles. Like regional manager, training manager, catering manager. 
I did a lot in the food industry and that wore me down. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no reason. I'm just, I've gotten to a point, especially in modeling and, and with my age now that I don't have to settle. I just don't. And I might suffer in one way, like, you know, lower income, but I don't have to settle if I just don't want to do it. I think I'm established enough to be picky. So, so I am. Yeah. There's a lot of photographers. When you get older, you just get crankier. So there's there's a lot of photographers that prefer shooting like more mature models. And I think it kind of weeds out more of the creepy ones that are looking for the barely legal look. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and that goes back to, and not that I want, you know, creepy things going after like younger models, but um, like that goes back to my saying, like, you know, always pick, pick a model that's going to be compatible with you. That way you can get to your goal much faster and easier. And that's, that's such an easy solution that most people just don't really, I don't think most, most of them think about that. They just kind of like, pick people off the, a list and go with it. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, the older I get, there's still models that are like 10 years older than me. I'll be 36 this month. There's still models that are in their mid forties that photographers keep on wanting to work with them. And I'm like, you know, that'll probably be me when I'm like 46, you know, I'm, I'm still going to want to do creative stuff and there's still going to be people looking for models. So hopefully it just continues to work out. <laughs> I think it will. You're gorgeous. You're talented. You know the business. You're very professional and business-minded. So if you just hold on to that, I think I think we will all be in that little boat together. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I have another part of my podcast that I call the Rising Phoenix part of your life. Mm-hmm. Can you describe something that is either related to your modeling or not? You can kind of choose... What, whatever you want to share where you had a struggle or something that you needed to overcome, like a challenge, like whether it was like a shift in your career or like, you know, something about insecurity that you had to overcome. What is your rising Phoenix moment? Rising Phoenix moment. Hmm. That's hard. Again, I have so many of those. I mean, I I definitely went through something that was pretty heavy right after COVID, I think back in 2021, where, you know, I had a lot of a lot of other models in our community were like opposing me. I guess I just I had never thought that that would ever happen to me. And not that it was a sense of arrogance, but it was because I felt that I've worked on myself so much, you know, Every single day of most of my life, I've worked on myself and I've obsessed about being a really good person, a good person that's ethical and moral that you can say no wrong about me. Right. And and of course, you know, my, you know, my parents taught me like, you know, everybody's going to like you. And that's that's a normal thing. And so I I had to kind of accept that. But what happened, the aftermath of that is that. I had gotten my Instagram taken down because because certain people were reporting my my page in order to hurt me. And I couldn't understand. I can't understand cruelty to that level. Cruelty without a thought. I I don't like talking about race much, but race is often a, you know, a, a subject, you know, that's being talked about, especially nowadays. And 
I've done everything on my own. I feel like I've worked extra hard to be at the place that I was at. And I think I still have that status, but to have my work taken down and my my struggle. I, I look at as as I look at it as if it was a journey within my struggles because I saw so many other models that had started after me, that were younger than me, that were getting so much more what do you call that? Is it is the word clout or just the attention, the uh, yeah. the likes, the the followers? They had surpassed me by five, eight, ten times maybe more. And I had struggled so much for my little tiny number of followers, right? And I had all my my work there. And then it was just poof, gone. And I felt completely destroyed from that. And I'm not even one that really likes Instagram. I don't like social media. I do what I can to a very bare minimum. I don't try to spend all my time there. I don't believe that even for us models that are art models should really give that that platform too much attention. But Unfortunately, we do because it's, you know, we're all stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it just completely destroyed me. It completely destroyed me. And on top of that, I was getting notified from photographers that certain models were literally calling them up to tell them not to hire me. So that was just kind of like, well, these people are really making it a point that they want to just destroy me. I felt like this was like they were out to get me. And I just, I couldn't understand why. My question even till today is why. But I think I've come to a point where I know that I did good. I know that I gave a lot to this community. I would give out my resources for free. I would help people. I would give them my time. I've done so much, you know? And at this point, if it wasn't enough or if it's overlooked or all of a sudden I'm vilified, that's okay. I I know that I did good and I'm happy with what I did. And I can, I'm still here to help. I'm probably more cautious now, more closed offish now, but that's where I get my power. My silence gives me my power. And I think that I still have a lot to give to the community, to those who I, you know, this is going to sound bad, but to those who deserve my energy, because I don't want to be taken advantage of or feel that way again and feel that, that sense of like, oh God, if I'm losing this, remember our, our conversation earlier about like, this is the only thing that I know has always been there for me. I thought that I had lost that at that point. And I spent days just thinking about thinking about it, thinking about just killing myself. And I don't know, I remember the feeling, but I t- today I'm thinking about it and I'm just like, wow, why did I let that situation get to me to that point? And I don't know, a part of me is like, oh, it's fine. I will die for this industry. I will die for art. I want to give myself my appendages, my soul, my everything. So even if I was in a lot of pain, that's still okay. I am still immortalizing myself. And that's, you know, we're all, human beings are very self-centered species, right? So of course I'm having these thoughts and they're sounding arrogant as I'm saying them out loud. But for me, it's empowering. I still have my system when I do my job. I still have myself. I still have my creativity. And 
with the goals that I have as a model, I'm still empowering myself and I feel good today. I'm holding on to that and just, you know, just marching right on through. <laughs> There's nothing else I can do though, right? You just have to keep on going forward. True, true that. And thank you for sharing your struggle through that. I was aware of the situation as it was happening and I, I felt sorrow for the situation itself because if you don't mind me saying, there were personal things that were being brought into like the community setting and turned against people, which it's like bringing personal affairs in and turning them into like a political, ethical, you know, Right, right. Thing it it it's what can you do? You know, you you were definitely being ostracized by the community, and there wasn't really anything that you could have done because you were holding a lot of power in that time. You were like, you know, you were you were like running our Fight Club basically for people that are like not in the know. I mean, and I, I did my best to set boundaries and to set rules. And I knew I knew that time would have came where people weren't going to be happy about that because, you know, in, in, in a sense, rules are set there. It can get to censorship, right? And no one wants to be censored. And I understand that. That's part of like, everybody wants to be heard. You know, we're human beings. We have feelings and these emotions and, you know, things come up with these decisions and obstacles. That's all normal and it's fine. And people who are ang still angry with me with the way things turned out, like I only did what I, what I could with what I had. And I think that most people do. They do whatever they can with what they have at that moment. With that in mind, I guess that that's when for forgiveness comes along, if you're able to do that, understanding how humanity works in that way. I mean, things are like that are going to happen, right? Do you feel like there's still people that were from that, you know, witch hunt that are enemies with you? Or do you feel like that's dissolved? I'm sure that there is. But at the same time, I've cut myself out from some so many of those avenues that even if there was, I wouldn't be aware of it. That's good. I guess it's a healthier place to be. Yeah, it's it's it is. And also, like, you know, there's so much peace right now on my end that whenever I do hear something, I'm like, gosh, this is still happening. Like, why can't people just leave me alone? It's not like I am the one that did anything wrong. I really didn't. I gave it all. and. You know, I, I, I tried to create a space where there wouldn't be any, any of that, but people were insisting to have it there. And so that was kind of like, not me. It wasn't not, it wasn't my doing people made their choices also. So I can't take responsibility for that. Yeah. You were the sole moderator and runner of that. Like I know. Okay. So like we can cut this out. Like if you're not comfortable with it, because I know that we're not supposed to talk about the group, but the group doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. You can say whatever you want to say. Okay, I, I didn't want to expose <laughs> anything without your consent. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. And if I'm not comfortable answering, I'll probably just say it. But, you know, okay. we're having a conversation, so... So, like, photographers and people out there, I believe most people are aware that there are, like, private groups of just models that help each other out in the community. 
And Marique was the leader of a major group for a long time. Very respected. She, the group was really well run. I was so grateful when I got invited into that group through Floofy that when I got invited into that group, that's when my career really started to actually be a much more positive, safe, productive space. So by the way, thank you for running that group so well, even though that it ended and it crashed and burned in flames and that was a major bummer, it was the the pivotal point of my career. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, (laughs) it was a lot of work. Let me just tell you, like, I had thought about closing that group long before that happened. And when it was happening, I'm like, why didn't I just listen to myself a year ago and just, you know, give up the group or shut down the group or something? And, you know, but it's it's fine. You know, that's with every good thing or even every bad thing in life that things are going to have to come to an end in some way, shape or form. And unfortunately, yeah. it happened the way it did. And, you know, that's that's the way life is. There was, a of, <laughs> there was a handful of other times where like drama came in. It's like, because everybody that's in that group, like they have different experiences, different like ideas of who should be allowed in here and who shouldn't be allowed in here. And there was always butting of heads over like personal preferences, which is not fair. So. Right. But also, I mean, I had this thing where, you know, a lot of people, because they were non-confrontational, what they would do is they would message me privately about certain things. And I had to also listen to that. You know, people who were there, who had seniority and who were in a part of a community where it's been working out with them and for them. So I had to listen to those people as well. Again, uh, it's like, kind of did what I, what I could with what I had. So you were like therapist and emotional baggage, like in the background, not just in the group. But I didn't want to do that. And I even stated that. I'm like, you guys, if you guys have a problem, go fix it outside of the group. Like, this is not the place. But and and when you say that I was the leader, I mean, that's like a, a huge word for me. Like, I didn't even consider myself a leader. I just I really just give advice they might not be factual sometimes they're opinionated and sometimes they're factual but i never have considered myself like a leader or like a role model i'm not in this i'm not competitive you know i don't i try not to be that person that's going to have like an argument or some political view or some you know this big discussion in in public because there's really no need when there's 10,000 other people do saying those things, you don't need to have that extra person. It's already been said, you know? So it goes back to my thing where people love to be heard. Not everything has to be heard. So I remained quiet and I'm just not in it to compete. I'm not in it to lead. I'm not in it to do any of that. I just want us to be a harmonious community to help each other out and really look out for each other. But also like, help each other in a good way, whether or not, you know, like the friends that I have around me, they will tell me if I'm acting a fool, they will say no to me. And I, those are the people that I want around me, you know, that care about me enough to help, to help me grow in a positive way if they think that I'm being shitty. So I don't know. That's probably just me ranting again. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I, I appreciate, you know, us talking about this because I wasn't sure if like you, that would be on the table, but like, I think it's important because our little world, like there's probably based on 
all the different like safety groups that I'm in and like the what I see on Model Mayhem as far as like travel notices and, and whatnot, there's probably about three or four hundred full-time traveling freelance nude models in the world. Is do you think that's a, approximately accurate? Three hundred? It's it's funny because our community is so small, even though it's international. Yeah. 300 sounds like a big number for our community. It probably is accurate, though. I'm so all out of the loop, too. But I know that there are some the same prime people that are that are traveling currently. Yeah. And doing things, including but you, you being one of them. If there's 300, that's great. I know the group itself had like, I don't know, 150 or something. But I know that there's always other people that were like working that weren't part of that group that are like newer to modeling, but still getting into it professionally and full time or people who just are, you know, in different like micro circles of freelance traveling models. But the point is that it's it's a super small community. And there's a lot of conversations I've had on this podcast where other models had, you know, like hard upbringings or they, they didn't feel accepted by other adults because of their nude modeling. And then when you get into the nude modeling community, you're doing it full time and you're joining these private safety groups, then you feel accepted suddenly. And for you, you had that all ripped away from you because there was like a a personal situation that happened that, you know, everybody was pointing fingers and you being the group leader of the group, you know, felt the harshest brunt of it. And for, for that community to be taken away from you must have been absolutely devastating. It was. And sometimes I think about it. It still is. I don't really have any avenues. I don't have any really a place to go to get references. I have to once again, go back to zero and do the do the research myself or maybe ask a couple people that I know about certain certain other people but I'm just so out of that whole loop I really don't kind of like I'm kind of reaching out aimlessly at the moment I'm still modeling but sometimes I feel a little lost and alone but I don't know when when I first started modeling I went through model mayhem manually doing searches per city and I would go through every single one account and take notes of it. And my, my black book was so, and I'm not saying blacklist because that's two different things. My black book was so full, like, and you know, pencil on paper, full, like a binder full of pages of every single city that I have been to or that I had that I plan on going to. And that was all manual labor, so much time consumption. Right. And I kind of have to, if I really want to do that again, that's what I have to do again. I don't have any other way that I, that it has been taught to me to do that. So where do you get new photographers, you know, besides from Instagram, which is not where I want to find them, you know? Yeah. A lot of the people that I work with that are new, most of them do find me through Instagram, which is like, it is what it is, but it's harder, like you said, to get references or to like background check somebody. It is a major shame. And I've had this same conversation on various episodes that Model Mayhem changed their messaging policies so that people have to pay now unless they're friends with each other on a free account. It just, it ruined the platform. It yeah. ruined it. We should all rise up and tell Mayhem, Mayhem to like 
switch that back around and get back on top of, you know, being a good platform again and get with the 21st century, you know? I suppose. Well, I mean, the 21st century, they're charging everything for everybody. <laughs> but I mean, but there are other platforms. It's not just Model Mayhem. You know, there's there's Model Society. There's um, there's Community Zoe, which is really good. I still use Purple Port when or if I plan on going to Europe. And I think Purple Port has a very good platform. They have the calendar. There is a, a tier that you have to pay for, but I've never paid for mine and I've gotten pretty good traction there. But we need a platform like that. We can't just rely on social media. That's not where it's at. You're going to keep getting the same kind of work if you stay there. You have to go on a platform. Nobody yeah. wants to do that because it's time consuming. It's just a little bit too um, too much um, brain labor to do. And that's fine, but we've got to make time for it. We can't sit here and complain about Instagram and them censoring us and all of that like that platform wasn't made for us yeah it wasn't made for people like like us we should try to figure out a more industry standard platform where it works where everybody agrees to go to in order to recreate that sense of community again yeah there there's a new platform coming out that might be promising called implied.vip where I, the owner of it is saying that he's going to create Model Mayhem similar features like putting your location out and putting the ability to do travel notices and stuff like that. So hopefully that that comes to fruition and I'm, I'm on that platform and I'm, you know, I'm posting on there and, and I'm hoping that it does catch fire like like Model Mayhem did back then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was told about that, I think. A month or so ago and I haven't checked it out yet but I am curious it's I mean we we all need that like I said like I would just I I'm so used to using multiple ones but I haven't been using them lately just because you know COVID kind of destroyed a lot of things (laughs) there's like so many other things that you know I don't know that are just taking up my time and it's it's everybody it's everybody it's unfortunate we need to start making time for ourselves to do that again yeah. And I mean, if if we all had one central platform, like back in the day, like I said on my last episode, we used to be able to just post a travel notice and Model Mayhem would fill our trips. We wouldn't have to do all this Rochambeau Facebook, you know, let me trade contacts with you on Facebook and Instagram and... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work out. Like I'm, I also have a Facebook account, but I'm hardly on ever on there. Yeah. Uh, the only times I had been on there is to be in the group, or I have like plant groups that I'm part of, and I, I use Marketplace. But I don't. I stopped posting on there because they had expel they um they suspended my account a few times, and I got so tired of it that okay. I stopped. I stopped managing anything on there. And what happens when you're communicating with a photographer and you're in London and your account gets suspended, what happens? All of your messages, you can't even compete. You can't like communicate with that person. It's all gone. So that alone should tell you that is not where all your business um, transactions and business uh, discussions should be held. It should be like on your email or on a platform that's like a website, like a solid platform where you can go back to and check your messages. Yep, exactly. I've struggled the same issue getting in Facebook jail and not being able to reply when I have bookings. Yeah. <laughs> like, ridiculous. They shouldn't that shouldn't even be allowed, but whatever. Yeah, it it's crazy. 
But yeah, we're coming up close to the end of our hour. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we end the podcast? Hmm. Only I always my my advice is always the same. Like, make sure you're just true to yourself. Just stay true to yourself. At the end of the day, you'll be so much happier about the job that you're you're doing now. Just you know, no shenanigans. Don't let anybody tell you yes or no, or make it, you know, don't put that responsibility in anybody's, you know, hands. Don't rely on other people to do that for you. Just believe in yourself, stick to your guns, learn to say no when you're feeling uncomfortable. And that's a really big one for us women. It's okay to say no, learn to say it, say it on, on, you know, spend an hour each day, put your alarm on and say no to everything for an hour. And then, you know, I love that. (laughs) Make it a training because we don't get taught that, especially in this industry. So, you know, just learn to say no and stick to your guns. True that. Yeah. And us, uh, you know, women empowering women within the modeling industry, it it, it is great now. We have we have the way to communicate with each other and, and tell each other these things where when you and I both started like in the early 2000s, it was a very like photographer's word was dominating like how everything was supposed to work. And, and it was like that. Like you just had to, you know, try to figure out how to say no to things on your own. And now we're us models are empowering each other. That's good. I like that. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for being on the show. All right. I've taken up enough of your time. I'll let you go, but I'll, I'll talk to you soon. How does that sound? Yes, absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye, smooches. Bye.